Hello, I'm not entirely sure that the music's going to work for this one. So, hopefully, it will. Okay, well, apparently the jingle's not going to work for me. So, I will just say good morning. Welcome to the Saturday Breakfast Show with me, Atlanta Plowden. Uh, today is the 9th of October, and I hope you're doing well. Okay, so you may have tuned in last week. Um, last week I spoke uh, about lots of things. I had no guests. Uh, two weeks ago, sorry. So two weeks ago, did my first show. Uh, didn't have any guests, so you heard a lot of me waffling. But thankfully, lots and lots of kind people uh, wrote in, and we had a great chat. Uh, we spoke about things such as safeguarding, uh, what it's like to be an ECT, edgy Twitter, etc., etc. So today there's going to be a focus on some of those things uh last week i presented at new voices a uh, big shout out to jane and ruth and i think james was also part of that uh, apologies if i've missed anyone out there but big thank you there uh new voices was an excellent opportunity to actually talk about edgy twitter uh, what it's like as an ECT and it was actually really just good opportunity just to meet lots of other teachers that have never spoken at edgy conferences before so big part of this is going to be discussing that today but before I move on I'd like to try and get some kind of music going if it decides to work or not perhaps not <laughs> I am really sorry teachers radio it, it this it doesn't really seem to be working the the sound so Apologies for that. I will read out the ads. I'll read out the news today. Uh, there'll be no break for me today, I'm afraid. So sorry. Okay, so first thing I'd like to start talking about. Um, yeah, I'm going to go back to New Voices. So New Voices, for those of you who don't know New Voices, New Voices is um, it's a very small education conference that happens once a year. Uh, this year was its third year. And um, it attracts lots and lots of people who maybe just haven't had the chance to speak at an education conference for, for whatever reason. Uh, we'll go on to that in a minute. That's important. Um, other people it attracts are actually quite well-known people. So Amanda Spillman from Ofsted, she was there for sure. Um, I think she comes every year. But my understanding is it's a really good opportunity for people in those positions to actually get a good understanding of what teachers across the board both primary and secondary are feeling and understanding about their own professions and um and it's so important for the teachers there as well because we get an understanding there then of what officers looking for what they're interested in is it reading at the moment is it attendance etc etc so new voices was really really important for me last week because not only did i get to present but also I got to go to lots of other talks. I got to learn about how to get into leadership. I got to learn about how to do a particular SEMD issues. I also challenged myself, okay? So when teaching, I'm very traditionist in a way. I hate using that term, I hate the labels. I'm, you know, but that's how I'd argue how I've been trained. That's how I feel comfortable teaching. And I actually got to meet and talk to lots of people on the progressive side of education, actually pick up ideas that they're using, which either I think were maybe not for me or are actually quite good. So it's really, really important for me as a young career te uh, early career teacher to uh, get a sense of that. Um, but the big thing I wanted to talk about was actually my experience talking about EduTwitter. So I presented on EduTwitter and what it's like as an early career teacher slash NQT uh, 
experiencing OG Twitter from my that perspective. And it was really interesting because lots and lots of people came to talk to me about it afterwards. Uh, not so many people came to session. I'm not entirely sure uh, if it's a schedule, uh, a schedule thing or if it's actually about the fact that edgy Twitter maybe isn't taken so seriously. But I'm going to go with the latter there. I don't think education, edgy Twitter and discussion around it is necessarily taking, taken too seriously. So let me elaborate. When I joined Twitter, I was around 14, 15. I was a kid. Now, as a kid, I was difficult, in trouble at school a lot, hell of a lot, okay? But big thing I used to love to do, and I really, really enjoyed this, is um, I used to go on Twitter as a kid, and I would look up all my teachers, okay? So I was from that generation that got social media at a young age, um, and they used it to I used it to find my teachers on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. Did it land me in trouble? Yes. Did it land my friends in trouble? Yes. But it was at that point where people were still putting their full names online. Edgy Twitter, just as far as I'm aware, was not a thing back in 2008, 2009, in the way it is now. Okay. So again, back then, I knew exactly what I was doing. I loved looking up my teachers. I loved and bear with me, I love to slip in little references and lessons to what I'd seen online. And I'd love to see my teacher be like, what? How do you know about that? Okay, so I was a bit of a wind up merchant. Fast forward to now 2021, I'm a teacher. Uh, I do use my full name online, yes. Um, but I am very aware of anything I put on my Twitter feed is something that I am willing for someone to call me up on. Okay, so if there's an argument on edgy Twitter that I'm somehow involved in, I'm as calm and courteous as, as I would be with a child arguing with me at school or trying to start an argument. I am, in a sense, modelling that behaviour, okay? Because I understand that there are children like my how I was as a kid who are absolutely 100% willing to look me up and, you know, have play around with what I find, what they find what I found, Okay. Anyway, so at New Voices, we're having this discussion and it really, really struck me that um, the discussion in the room kind of evolved into, well, we need to take tweets in good faith, but there was slight defensiveness as well. There is a defensiveness about Twitter. Um, There's someone in the room, I won't mention any names, but he was saying how there was a pile on him. Uh, he tweeted one thing and lots of kind of edgy celebrities uh, got on top of him and all their fans, etc., etc., having a go at him, and it said it caused him a lot of anxiety. Uh, and I thought, well, this is interesting because, it, well, it's not something we should be seeing, and it's something we should remember that the children we teach can absolutely see, even if they do not mention it. Okay, but again, in the room, there was a vibe of that's awful. But is it really happening? People were saying, well, what is the percentage? Like, what do you see? Is it 60% good, 40% bad? It doesn't work like that for me. For me, it's as simple as this. Twitter is not the pub. If you're at the pub, you can pretty much ensure that there's no child there listening. Um, yeah, you may say something to someone that you think you trust, may get back to the wrong person. 
that's a mistake you can make, that's a risk you take, but on the whole, you know you're pretty safe at the pub if you make the right decision to go with the right people, okay? Twitter, no, no, no. Twitter's a completely different story. You do not know who's seeing what you're writing. It goes for children seeing what you're writing, it goes for parents, it goes for your boss, it goes for just people who are interested in the profession. And my point is, when I look at people who are more senior to me in both age and career, career-wise, and I see them attacking each other on Twitter, I just think, why should I tell anyone to become a teacher when this is the face of the profession? And it is a, the face of the profession for many. It is unbelievably embarrassing to say to my friends, I'm a tw- uh, sorry, I'm a teacher and I engage on Twitter and if they and then they go and see the arguments on Twitter and they think, well, why is everyone acting like a child? It's embarrassing from the perspective of an early career teacher and QT. So it was a really good conversation at um, New Voices because it kind of reaffirmed to me that actually we still need to talk about it. It's serious. I'm not advocating for schools getting involved with their employees and what they should be saying exactly. Um, But what I am advocating for is just think about what you're doing. Uh, Because it's embarrassing to see tweets like, uh, the police are involved, etc, etc. Just stop. It's embarrassing. A bit of a rant, but absolutely a reflection of what I was saying last week at New Voices. Um, uh, A couple shout outs I'd like to actually give also at New Voices. I went to talk by Victoria Numb, really, really good about how we deal with um, particular issues that may arise in regards to SCND. Again, incredibly important to those new to the profession. Every single day I step into my classroom and I know those children that are facing those struggles. They need to be at the forefront of my mind, but I just do not feel at times that I've been trained adequately in order to approach them. So it's always really good to go to talks by people such as Victoria to really get to grips with that. Um, And also, I think just, you know, the encouragement on new voices to actually go and see talks by people in primary, if you're in secondary, for example, um, that's really important. I think there's such a potential for creating more cohesion between the two. So, yeah, thank you, Jane, Jane Manzoni. Thank you for setting up that it's that conference. It's excellent. Um, and it gives us a real chance to actually, again, discuss edu- uh, issues such as edu- Twitter and to move away from kind of the mainstream narrative that things like Research Ed actually present. Um, and on that point with Research Ed, that's not me slating it, but I still think it's super important that we mem- remember that research ed is a particular section of teacher society, if you will, and you will get the same people again and again saying similar things, sometimes very different things, but often quite similar things. And it is important that we do have new voices and we do welcome more and more teachers into the research kind of community if that's what you would like to call it, Um, because it's super important that we understand that actually edu celebrities, education celebrities, they are a thing, but we shouldn't really allow it to be a thing. We should allow, again, a range and variety of voices to be speaking out. So yeah, really good experience. So today, there's a few things I'd like to cover. Um, On the 
back of conversations I've had at work this week, uh, quite a few things. So lots and lots of concern about uh, what the DfE is doing right now, who it's appointing, what its kind of ambitions will be for the future, um, why attendance, why not curriculum or why why not, you know, focus on um, gently encouraging children back into school. Okay, so lots of interesting conversations at work. Um, also, I think it's super, super important, actually, is to really consider how we are now, uh, again, and you know my focus is on early career teaching, how we are encouraging students in the pastoral sense back into lessons. Okay, so little thing I've um, discovered this week at my new school, and it's really good, actually, uh, my new school has this little area and um, it's called The Hub. Uh, it's a really nice little area for children to go to uh, if they're feeling anxious, if they're not in lessons for any reason. It's excellent. Um, the support they get in there, as far as I can see, and I've not been there for very long, really, really good. Uh, but the concern that some have, and I'm not. this is not about specifically about my school, but I, I've seen the conversations online and with colleagues and people in other schools. The concern is how do we move post-pandemic to getting children into lessons full time? And that's reflected, I suppose, in uh, the new education secretary, um, Nadim Sahari. I think that's how I say his name. Apologies. Um, how we get attendance back up and children into lessons. So do we utilise these places such as the hub? and um, slowly encourage, or do we try and fast track children back into lessons? So that'd be a really interesting question for you guys listening. How would you, okay, how would you help the DfE with their attendance as senior leaders, as teachers? What would your school's policies be? What are they? So for us, it's about utilising things like the hub, making sure it's the first point of call that students come into school who are maybe school refusers or have been since the pandemic. And they're filtered through there and then back into lessons, which, again, can be excellent. It can be. Sometimes I worry that I'm not seeing children enough in my lessons, but I think the way my school is doing it, I can only commend them. So how is your school encouraging um, attendance? What are you doing? How are you actually, for lack of a better phrase, helping the DfE with their new ambitions? Okay, so we're 15 minutes in. I'm going to try and look at the music. I'm really sorry. The sound on Podbean for me just does not work. Um, I, I tested it before, and then as soon as I go live, it goes, it goes crazy. So just not working. So what I will do is I'll read out the news. Okay, so my best kind of news anchor voice I suppose so right so we can understand at the moment let me just get this so this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news the national lorry 
driver shortage has been widely reported in recent weeks, as have the trading issues which have occurred post-Brexit. Both are reported as putting pressure on businesses such as petrol stations and supermarkets, but now it appears the situation is spreading. So, catering firms supplying food to 450 schools said disruption to what it can offer schools is likely to last until the new year. So, this uh, next half term looks like it'll be pretty tricky. In a leaked email obtained by ITV, the company advisors had teachers on stocking up, uh, stocking up on ways to keep feeding children through the winter. The advice keeps topping up on long life milk, dried and tinned food so that food will be available in a worst case scenario. And whilst the company says it remains confident it will be able to keep supply meals, it suggests schools ensure they are prepared. Children's favourites such as fish fingers, bread, ham and some soft drinks are amongst the products the company is struggling to source. ISS has issued a statement saying its ability to provide schools with nutritious meals has not been impacted and that contingency, contingency advice to schools was being issued and that regular contact with schools was being maintained. A Department of Education spokesman said there's no evidence to suggest widespread supply issues. Supply chain issues are reported to be causing disruption to delivery of two uh, two schools in Wales, according to a report on Wales Online. The clean air technology was promised to schools by the first week in October, but delays may mean that schools do not receive them until the half-term break. The CO2 monitors are designed to warn that when there's not enough clean air in the room. They're seen by many as a key mitigation measure to help reduce the spread of COVID-19 and protect staff and pupils. Head teachers across Wales are reporting that more pupils and staff are absent now than at any other time during the pandemic and that education is facing worse disruption in the previous academic year. The Welsh Government has said that it's spending £2.5 million on the CO2 monitors and that this will uh, equate, to one monitor, uh, equate to one monitor for every classroom. Finally, The Guardian is reporting on fresh figures released by the Office for National Statistics, which suggests that in England, the spread of COVID-19 is fast outpacing the vaccination programme for secondary age pupils. The IRS now says that last week, uh, one in 14 secondary pupils had COVID. This is an increase from the one in 20 of the previous week. According to data released by the UK Health Security Agency, fewer than one in 10 of the age groups eligible for the vaccine have received it, although more than a third of those vaccinated are in the vulnerable group. And the vaccination programme seems to be key in keeping schools open and limiting infections. This has been Teachers Talk Radio, Weekend News. Okay, so yeah, there's a few things on the back of the news as well. Is your school currently doing vaccinations uh we had our vaccinations this week i know that the previous school that i worked in had theirs this week uh, also um what's the uptake being like do you think it's really is dependent on the context of your school uh what do you think okay so any questions uh, or sorry ideas so far coming off the back of attendance and the dfe's new focus what is your school doing again as i said we're utilizing things such as um our hub space and exit space provided my by my school uh and getting lots of people who may be anxious about attending school back into school quite slowly um are there issues with this what do you think in your school? Uh, again, as I said, I think my school is doing it quite well, given the context of our school. However, I'm not so sure it would work in 
maybe a school down the road in an area that's slightly harder to ensure full compliance with the curriculum and the demands of schooling okay so anything about what's what you are facing would be super useful to to uh, engage with and hear I have to say with radio or I suppose this is also a podcast it's incredibly difficult when you have no guests it's incredibly difficult to take the uh, Saturday morning show slot because I suppose everyone's sleeping in taking their kids to places um so any kind of interaction will be super appreciated guys okay <laughs> so ah okay so i was just thinking and i've just had a text through on my phone this actually says atlanta i'm listening right now um i can't log on to the pod bean or access it but i would like to talk about uh, attendance with you uh why do you think the hub at your school is so useful well right well i think the hub at my school i think it's useful because i think it works for the context of our area um we're in quite an affluent area um I think it helps because ultimately the kids on the whole do go home and are getting lots and lots of exposure to, um, I suppose, more kind of academic encouragement, uh, academic acceptance if those are the right words. So I think it's a useful place in that actually we know that they aren't necessarily missing out on lots. That being said, we are careful at the school to make sure that they are not there in the hub for too long at all. We want kids back in lessons because obviously it's important. Do you think there's a ch- been a change in attitudes to other sickness slash absent reasons from at lesson copy? Do I think there's been a change in attitudes? Yes, but I think, again, I've seen differences in terms of the schools I've been in. So again, my training school, I think, obviously, as the pandemic started to hit, um, and I was there as an unqualified teacher for a few months before I actually started training um, in September 2020. So I was there. Uh, in the days the pandemic literally started to hit. I was actually sent home a week before because I had symptoms. Um, So obviously I had to isolate. Um, So at that school, I think with any other school at the time, um, absence and sickness was very much treated as you've got to look after yourself, you've got to go home now, okay? Um, And obviously this was the case until... Uh, definitely a few months ago, but I think in the last couple months I was at the school, I think it actually became, and it's totally fair to senior leadership team, it did, you could tell, start to become a bit of a problem because, um, for example, there were colleagues of mine who had been out to see the football game, England final or semi-final, whatever, and um, they were told then to isolate because they'd been in contact with someone with COVID-19. 
um, and this was pre their vaccination status, um, was fully okay. Um, and you could see that the senior team were like, it's fine, but why were you out doing these things when you know you're at school and there's a risk you'll have to isolate? So I think the attitude had started to change going back towards the kind of attitude of you need to be in school all the time, you need attendance, you need to model it. I think that had gone at the beginning of the pandemic, but now I think it's coming back. But I've left that school now and I'm not, this is not any way of saying anything bad about that school. Okay, I think uh, they had the right attitude about 100% attendance for staff because of the context it was serving. Uh, very, very high rates of school refusers or just not understanding what school is at all because um, lots of children have never been to school before secondary, before or the parents have never even been to school in their lives, okay? So very, very different context. And I think it's kind of gone back to old-fashioned views there. In my new school, um, I think it's quite good in that um, I wasn't there uh, before September, but I was told that actually the encouragement definitely before September was get out of the building if you do not need to be here. So basically, um, if you've got a free PPA session, towards the end of the day so for example friday period five go home um just get out quickly we don't need as many people in the building as usual um i don't think that expectation or sorry allowance is there necessarily anymore i get the impression that um there's still a lot of empathy surrounding it um absences and sickness uh but i think it's pretty much returning to pre pandemic attitudes um you need to be in school and if you're not well that's obviously a problem um don't know if this will change i think it'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of staff being vaccinated will it be a requirement from the government soon who knows um maybe maybe not i imagine i imagine it won't be um that has its pros and cons, okay, but I, yeah, I think it will return to pre-COVID-19 attitudes, and I think it's starting to do that anyway. I think it's the same with the work from home culture. I think people are getting fed up with it, um, but I still think it's amazing that we've got the kind of access to all the technology um, now, and it's been implemented properly. But again, who knows how that will play out if some member staff is ill, whether they be expected to sign on to Zoom or Teams or whatever it is to teach kids. Who knows? So, yes, very, very long answer there. There has been a change in attitudes, but I think it was temporary. I think it's going back to how it was before the pandemic, from my perspective, in both schools that I've seen. Um, it'd be interesting, actually. Um, also, to actually, yeah, I've, I've thought about staff in terms of kids. I think with kids, I think there's a lot more worry now. I think before there wasn't necessarily the same worry as to where are they. Uh, it was quite clear to parents and children that obviously you need to be in school, it's a lot. Now, I think that clarity, especially for children from backgrounds where um, it, they're perhaps not so structured for whatever reason, I think that clarity has gone uh, as to whether school can be the safest or the best place for that child to be. Um, and that's fair enough for lots of reasons, not for other reasons, of course. But I think attitudes in terms of 
parent parental attitudes and children's attitudes has changed not not with staff i think that's gone back to how it used to be but with parents and children yes that has changed and i think the dfe is correct to focus on attendance because if you do not know where those children are you that's it you have no idea what's going on so yes with children and parents yes but doesn't mean the majority of parents are saying i want my kid at home but even a small minority who are saying i want my kid at home um they're not going in i think that is a problem and that is something we need to sort out as a nation as the government is doing the right thing in my opinion there um but we'll see how it plays out see what they mean by focusing on attendance but i do think it's the right call for now um be interesting to hear what other people's contexts are Again, I'm talking from working in a school where attendance was the biggest safeguarding issue. And now it's not considered necessarily the biggest safeguarding issue, but it still is one. Um, yeah, depends on the context of school or the, where the school is, who the school's catering for. Um, yeah. So I'd like to hear your kind of experiences actually in your schools. Again, what's your school doing? Uh, do you think the parents at your school or the attitude of the kids is different in terms of how the attitude towards staff sickness? It'd be really, really super interesting to hear that. I'm going to just take a break to read out the adverts because, again, <laughs> the sound will not work, which is <laughs> difficult. So bear with me for one second. Let me get those adverts up. But again, keep thinking about that attendance. Are the government have they got the right idea about focusing on attendance my opinion is yes but someone with a lot more experience than me you may be able to say to me maybe i've got a head teacher listening maybe you'll be able to say to me no 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 no, not in my case not in my school so please talk to me think about it tell me am i am i talking uh am i say, saying something you agree with am i saying something that actually no 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 makes no sense talk to me let's have a think uh advertisements so let's read these ones out okay good so number one first advert one of the sponsors of this show is oxford university press if you need support of your phonics teaching oxford university press now has free dfe validated programs to help you read write ink phonics floppy phonics and brand new essential letters and sounds essential Letters and sounds will get all your children reading well quickly using phonics books you may have already you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. To find out more about these programs and receive support from your OUP expert local educational consultant, visit www.oxfordprimary.com/phonics. Second. One of our show's sponsors is the History Hotline podcast. The History Hotline is the hottest line for all things Black history and beyond, a space to have honest conversations about Black history and how it impacts the world we live in. The History Hotline podcast explores some of the facets of Black history ignored by the mainstream, your teachers and the textbooks. Check out the podcast by following the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. One of the other sponsors of this show is Mal CPD. If you struggle with people pleasing and find it a constant battle to manage different and difficult personalities, then why not challenge and empower your team for the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? 
Alternatively, gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader for the assertive leadership and emotionally intelligent leader course. All male CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. You can find out more at www.malecpd.com. Okay, so check out those things, especially um, important, all of those, uh, lots of conversations that are very topical happening in relation to all those three things. Okay, so at Lesson Copy, I write that some kids such parents have spent 18 months being told missing school is okay. I think there's more acceptance of staying away from school now. Yes, I agree. I do think that. I uh, I think it's reflected in some of my classes. Um, I think it may be reflected in some attitudes of schools. Um, I think what's super important now, though, is we recognise that there is a vaccine programme. Um, there is movement within the pandemic, which is progressing to getting out of it. Do we know what this winter's going to uh, bring? No, but we can guess that it will hopefully mm, not be as devastating as last, but who am I to say? So I think it's super, super important that we actually get this message out to parents that, yes, your child's education has been disrupted because of a pandemic. Yes, it's difficult to trust that school is the safest place to be in terms of medical compliance, I suppose, but lots of schools are complying. I suppose what I mean in terms of it's hard to tell parents that it is safe for your child to mix with others. Um, but I think we've also got to be super, super clear and say, however, your child, take the big picture approach here, your child, we don't want them hitting age 25, looking back and saying, ah, this pandemic really affected my future so badly, now I've not got the correct GCSEs or A-levels or whatever. We need to make sure that there is a message that is focusing on the wider, broader picture here, which is there is a future, but you've got to do the right things to make sure that future is best for you. Um, and yes, there's a pandemic, but we've got to make sure that however you engage your school, that it's highly academic and that we're going to get you to the best place possible. I think... I think things like schools having open evenings, I think that is super useful in terms of making people feel safe. I definitely had colleagues that were nervous about it. I was actually a bit like, oh, I'm not sure this is the best thing. However, afterwards, uh, there were no reported cases as far as I was concerned. Um, I know um, it was pretty, it was very safely, all good, like safely executed. It was, it was good. So I think having those open evenings, having those school morning tours or whatever your school does, our school certainly has done both, um, and showing people that it's the impact is it's not bad at all, that we've got kids that are safe still, uh, it's a safe place to come in and see, safe place to come in and be, um, I think that's super important. So I think that's how we get through to parents is saying yes this building is safe and it's safe for your children and it's safe for you too um that being said i did last week i had a couple of students come up to me and they were like miss uh we're concerned we've got family members at home that are vulnerable um 
and we know that there are a couple of cases around, etc., etc. Um, and it is quite difficult to say to these children, it's 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 not necessarily in our hands anymore. It's a kind of government directed that you must be here, etc. However, again, bigger picture, I think it's the right thing. We need kids in school. Attendance is super important. Um, definitely more in other contexts more than so than others. But for every school, it's still important. And it's all it's always a big safeguarding issue. If you do not know where the kids are, then they could be anywhere. It's as simple as that. Um, so yeah, I think it's a big thing we need to consider. How do we uh, get those parents on board? And the majority of parents I've seen are on board. They're completely happy they're getting in school. So is there something else there? Is it uh, combined with other social problems that we are not considering and talking about? Is it combined with poverty? Is it combined with the idea that um, my child will not do very well in school anyway? So why should I um, compromise their safety? What What's going on there? There are going to be other social issues at play. Um, it's one for sociologists as well to discuss, I suppose. So there's a study there. But for the school, attendance is super important and we should be utilising our attendance officers and teams to be going out there, knocking on doors and saying, you need to come in, in my opinion. Some schools have more resources for that. Some schools have more of a focus on that. But for me, if I were in charge, <laughs> I would be saying, we're getting our attendance team and we're going to go out daily and you're going to knock on doors and you're going to say, you need to be in school, what's happening? in my opinion okay um yeah so I, I wonder what your schools are doing again some schools have more resources or more focus on those kind of things um my school certainly is putting their focus on attendance at the moment i can hear it in what's being said uh, again i think it's the right call um and i think it's the right call the dfe to focus on it however what about curriculum because the last 10 years we've had curriculum be super, super important. Um, this idea of the knowledge-led ethos at the very centre of what we should be doing as schools. We're raising questions of what school, what is school for? Um, what are we preparing our kids for, for future generations, etc, uh, etc. Et curriculum is still important. I still ultimately agree with the very basic idea that school is about curriculum and learning so how can we now market our schools post COVID-19 to remind parents that it is about curriculum and learning and how can we market that along market that alongside the whole idea of pastoral support and safety I think you need to start with curriculum I think you need to say that um, we've got a strong curriculum we've got strong schemes of work we've got strong teaching we've got a good pedagogy whatever that may look like maybe it's very varied in your school whatever your school works with make sure it's you know strong and confident but you've got to say i think to parents that yes we're still willing to have this focus on curriculum because that allows us to make sense of the bigger picture so for the kids we're teaching they are going out into the world we've got to have that big picture thinking and curriculum is important therefore um that's how I think we should be marketing our schools post-pandemic. Private schools, they do it. Uh, they've Lots of them have always done it. Yes, they do it on their enrichment or maybe their, uh, I don't know, social status. Different private schools mean different things to different people. But I think we should have the same mistake. 
different state schools mean different things to different people but curriculum needs to be there at the heart of the school whatever your school's ethos is you need curriculum there because that is in my opinion what kids and parents should be looking at a school for all the other stuff surrounding mental health provision pastoral needs to be there it needs to be strong safeguarding is also extremely important however when it comes to marketing for your school marketing your school post pandemic let's keep curriculum there at the center otherwise we are missing out we are going way too far backwards then because the pandemic it's keeping as we know it's keeping poorer people poor and richer people richer um very simplified i know feel free to call me out on this if i'm wrong but that's my understanding from the analysis i've read um just through talking to friends who have had more of a chance to save money during the pandemic and then other friends who can't have not been able to save because they've had to do odd jobs as and when it's been allowed but i think um if we have curriculum at the center of our schools especially our state schools we are still holding on to that ethos of high expectation and the promise of academic rigor and ultimately allowing for children to go beyond their circumstances and it's the same for vocational curriculum too those two things are super super important we need children beyond them beyond their current circumstances no matter what their background is we want to take them further um therefore curriculum still needs to be at the heart of these things so attendance yes i think that's absolutely the government's right call but we need to ensure that curriculum is there too and maybe they can go hand in hand who knows maybe that's one for them to think about so if anyone from the dfe is listening <laughs> take this on board okay i think it's super important but I've also had a background in uh, curriculum research and uh, before I became a teacher. So I am biased in that way. Okay. So um, if anyone likes to, you know, chime in, think about that, uh, feel free to call in too. But if there's anything that's particularly uh, on your mind about anything I've spoken about today so far, we've still got about, about 50 minutes. We've got around 50 minutes left um, with no guests. So you are always free to type something into the chat, have a chat with me, call in. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear about the context of your school and how you're facing the issues I have spoken about today. Or even a couple of weeks ago. And if you have new voices as well and you're listening, please, like, you know, have a chat. Um, so- really really enjoyed it super super important to keep discussing the things that we were discussing at new voices um and for me it always goes back to educator because i just find it fascinating but any of the things i've discussed today please get in touch uh you can tweet me as well at lanta plowden uh literally at everyone thinks i did this on purpose with the at sign lanta plowden at lanta plowden i didn't i made it when i was a kid everyone called me lanta then um yeah wasn't being clever wasn't being smart literally just did that so and actually i made twitter just to literally stalk people i knew and celebrities but i was 15 and now i actually use it properly but always a reminder your kids you teach will look you up i know they're looking me up i just know it excellent 
That's a cool. What do you think about Edu Insta and Edu Facebook? I don't know anything about Edu Insta. Or, well, more about Edu Facebook, but Edu Insta, no idea. Um, if I grab my phone now, so I'm going to grab my phone and I'm going to type in onto Instagram. Let me have a look. Very interesting. I didn't even think such a thing exists. Maybe it doesn't, does it? You tell me. So I'm going to type in Edu Insta. Oh, okay. So when I get Edu Insta, lots of classrooms and outfit pics. This is fascinating. Right. My immediate reaction is why? My immediate reaction is why? <laughs> okay. Well, I've never under really understood personally. Oh, wait a minute. Hashtag teachers of Instagram. Okay. I'll look it up now. So what I've never really understood personally is people who kind of do their outfit for the day uh as teachers because one where do you have that time and energy and two like no offense but who cares i know what i'm going to work i know what my colleagues are going to work but literally i don't think about it in that way however if you're excited and you're new to the profession or new to any profession you want to share that okay right teachers of instagram hashtag let's have a look at this this is going to be absolutely fascinating Oh, I know people that follow the hashtag. This is okay. So as I scroll scroll, scroll through hashtag teachers of Instagram, I find pictures of food that has been cooked by teachers for their week ahead. Okay. I find memes. Fine quite funny some of them i know um i do know one actually i like yeah i do know one thing about edu insta i do follow a primary school teacher on there ict with mr p he's actually excellent he's funny um don't know much about him though um but he, the stuff he does is really quite funny the memes he he really he has a good insight into the teacher kind of psyche if that makes sense um what else do i see i see pictures of books particularly for early years it seems quite american ah an interesting one so i see someone with their feet up on their teacher desk and you can see that they have gone all out in covering their desk with some lovely um table cover they've got pictures they've got plants and then their classroom has got mood lighting i just where where's where's where why i look at my classroom i don't have actually have one classroom but i have a classroom i i use more than others and i look at it and i think it does the job it's got the displays i need it it's got the it's got the pens i use it's got some of the books um yeah it's got the chairs it's got the desks uh i can't imagine putting my feet up and taking a picture i don't know uh what else is there mood corners in the classroom uh more memes i think it is interesting edgy twitter is for me about a lot more discussion and sharing resources but it looks like that yeah it looks like that edgy is quite an american thing like as in everyone seems to be american on here and it's referring to american kind of curriculum and stuff but also it's very 
I don't know, it's a bit too sherry offy for me. It's a bit ridiculous. Like the money they must be spending from their own pocket on their classrooms. Like here there's one with shelves and kind of arrangements on the shelves of pictures and plants and toys and musical instruments, it seems. Um, yeah. But again, if that's what you're interested in, um, okay, fine. Not for me. Not for me. But if you use uh, Azure Insta, tell me why do you use it? What are you interested in? Uh, does it actually help you engage with other uh, teachers? Maybe. Now, what's the other one? T edgy Facebook. Now, Edgy Facebook, the reason I know Edgy Facebook slightly more is because I'm in some groups for English teaching, which just share resources and stuff. Um, I don't find it as useful as Twitter, for example, to get resources or ideas uh partly because i think facebook has much more of a tendency for advertising from all over the world and if i type in usually if i try and join an english teacher group they think i'm teaching english as a uh, an addition a, a foreign language ESOL, an additional language second language so actually i don't actually find edu facebook particularly useful um what does pop up on my timeline every now and then are memes or oh, i don't know um, pictures relating to teaching that everyone tags each other in or talks about or uh, I'm friends with a couple of my old teachers on Facebook they'll engage with but it's never particularly serious and it's a bit more kind of coffee chatty nothing nothing I'm particularly interested in however it doesn't seem to be as kind of full of conflict in the same way edgy twitter is and i suppose edgy like edgy insta for everything I've just said about it looking a bit silly and ridiculous it doesn't look particularly toxic. Uh, it looks quite like a happy place. Um, I imagine if it is toxic, it probably is through making other people feel like they're not doing enough. Um, but to be honest, you know, yeah, I think that's what these two things, I think that's what Edu's issue is, it seems to be. It may make people feel like they're not doing enough. Edu Twitter is just pure rudeness and um, animosity towards others sometimes. And then maybe the best one is Edu Facebook, which is, haha, that's a funny meme. Tag my friend, who's also a teacher. Move on. And then sometimes you get on your English group someone saying, um oh tutor english for this much money uh contact me uh at this number etc but nothing nothing too difficult so yeah looks fine edges so i'm gonna spend some of my afternoon not much of it though and i'm gonna go out and have a have a social life but um i am gonna spend a little bit of this afternoon having a look at it because it is fascinating um, I did actually have a conversation a few years ago uh, when I started my career working in a free school in East London. I wasn't a teacher then. I was uh, doing kind of school trips for the school. Um, I remember talking to a teacher there and he was saying that uh, social media has kind of bred a new narcissist. Now, I think that's quite a difficult conversation because actually I think narcissism is misunderstood by a lot of people. And I think people sometimes think uh someone's a narcissist when actually jenny they're not uh there are real narcissists out there some you know more dangerous than others however anyway so this conversation i was having with this teacher he was saying that social media has bred this new kind of form of narcissism in teenagers and young adults and they're 
you know, expecting a lot from it, but it's where they're allowed to show their identity, kind of politics a lot more, and it's obviously cancel culture. Um, anyway, we're having this conversation. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, what about you? Because his Twitter is, and he will, if he hears this, he will agree with me. I 100% believe that. If not, you can contact me, please. And we'll have our little debate. We'll go to the pub and have a debate, whatever. But his Twitter is, you know, he is, he engages with arguments on Twitter. Uh, he engages with the kind of the identity politics of Twitter itself. Um, so saying about teenagers and young adults and it breeding this kind of form of self-importance and self kind of, you know, focus on the self way more than any other generation. I don't think it's true. I think adults that are using edgy Twitter are as much guilty, you know, they're as guilty of this as anyone else. Um, maybe it's in promotion of books. Maybe it's in promotion of points and arguments. I don't think that's narcissism, but I think uh, it's a place a narcissist could breed. Um, I'm getting a bit deep here. I'm talking about psych psychological things I don't necessarily know too much about. So maybe I should, you know, calm it. But I definitely think that these kind of social media sites, we as teachers, we're, we're, we're pretty guilty of it in our own ways. Um, only this week I saw someone post that they were doing something really brief. Uh, she didn't give away any details. Perfectly fine tweet. And then someone replied to it saying, oh, are you going to be promoted into the DfE's um, new special advisor team? Oh, well, even if you were, it, you'd just be another Tory. And she was like, well, I wasn't talking about anything political. And, you know, it's just completely ridiculous. And it was just starting an argument that just, she was just saying that she wanted to do something brave. It was not even related to her job. Um, she didn't give away what it was. Fine. But, you know, it was just an immediate argument starting that ended up in blocking and lots of people piling on and lots of upset, et cetera, et cetera. Ultimately, not needed in response to a tweet. It was absolutely fine, the tweet. No problem. So, yeah, I think the worst one out of them all in terms of toxicity will be Edgy Twitter. But I think it's also the most useful. Edgy Insta, I don't, it doesn't look particularly useful. And Edgy Facebook can be, but I don't see loads of useful things on there. I don't use Facebook as much as I use Instagram and Twitter, though. I think Facebook's have, seeing its end over the next few years slowly but it is getting there um that'd be interesting actually to think about will we see the teachers of edu insta and edu facebook move over to twitter will that ever change the dynamic of twitter or will we ever see the complete end of edu twitter itself well you know there is a perfectly acceptable scenario to imagine where we have someone who says i'm completely crazy uh completely unacceptable and um they called out on it then it gets escalated please get involved court case happens proof is there um maybe that will then be an event that deters people from using it who knows it'll be interesting to see if anyone actually faces any kind of real serious consequence for something they've said on twitter relating to teaching uh, beyond getting fired from their school because you know I think there's opportunity for that to happen I'm not saying it should happen I've not seen any real cases where it should happen 
Um, but there is the opportunity for that uh, if people aren't careful. And as I said at the very beginning of my show, as a kid, I loved it. I loved looking at people's Twitters who taught me. I was 15, so I was being silly. Of course I was. And even before that, age 13, I remember I got Facebook. Uh, I had Bebo at the time as well. So most people my age will remember Bebo. But I was on Facebook and I remember uh, me and my family, and MSM, we were chatting after school, as we always did. And she was encouraging, no, we were encouraging each other. Let's look up some of our teachers. So we did. And one of them was a PGE student. We knew she was training and she was teaching us at the time. I'm not going to say the subject. She will definitely remember my name. My teachers will remember my name. So I'm going to not not go into too much detail. Anyway, but this uh, young teacher, she was teaching us. So PGC, we must have been in about year nine. Okay. And me and my friend were like, let's look her up. So we did. And we found a video of her and the video wasn't bad, but she was abroad and she was saying some pretty outrageous things about herself. And she was, you know, a little bit drunk, but not beyond it, etc. Of course, the two 13 year old kids, funniest thing ever. Um, but to our credit, may I just say, uh, I sent it to my friend. I said, oh, I found this, um, but let's not tell people because, you know, let's just go about this. Was I being naive? Of course I was. Was there a little bit of me as a teenager that wanted it to get out? Of course, because that's that's being a teenager, the, the kind of lack of empathy you have at that age. Uh, you're still developing, you know, that sense of yourself and others. Anyway, so I go off downstairs to supper, eat it, etc., etc. come back up. Um, <laughs> next thing I know, I've got about five or six MSM messages. I'm in a group chat with some other people at school, people I wasn't particularly friends with, but I didn't know. And they were saying, oh, Atlanta, you found this, oh my God. And I was like, oh dear, okay, yeah, uh-huh, fine. Next day, going to school, uh, people talk about it in my tutor time, form time, whatever you call it, but we called it tutor. And I remember the look on my tutor's face and she was like, what have you, well, no, our, our tutor was a different teacher, but we had another trainee teacher being our tutor. So again, if my old tutor's listening, which she could be, I am referring to a trainee that you had at the time. Anyway, I remember her looking at me and being like, what? And Hunter, what did you find? And I was like, oh, nothing, just a video of another teacher who's training with you in this school. And she was like, oh, well, I bet you don't even know her name. I was like, I do know her name. And she goes, well, tell me what her name is. So I told her the name and she looked shocked. And she was like, that's not her real name. And I just remember thinking, even as a teenager, oh, dear, I've done the wrong thing. I've got my trainee form tutor upset and her back's up and I know what's going to happen next. Anyway, I didn't get in any trouble. I I don't think the teacher got in any trouble, but she was apparently told to wipe her social media stuff because kids like me and my friend were looking her up and we were finding were finding things. She did pass, as far as I know, she became a teacher, fine, okay. I probably will work with her one day, who knows? Um, but it's interesting because it was really at a turning point for social media in younger generations at that time where adults and kids did not understand or even begin to think that if it's in the public domain, people are going to look you up. And I still think that's an issue now. Um, people always laugh at me, saying, oh, Atlanta, you look everyone up. I don't, but 
I do see people I know on Twitter and as a kid when I did look people up my firm belief at the time was if it's in the public domain I have every right to see it um <laughs> so yeah just be completely aware of what you're posting um it'd be super interesting and to back go to back to my original point will edgy twitter ever end will twitter ever explode or implode whatever uh there is an opportunity for it because it only takes one tweet one kid to see it one parent to complain one school to say that is totally unacceptable and one police report to say actually you've broken the law here you're in trouble so just be aware of what you're posting it's public domain and then everyone has the right to see something in the public domain surely that's how i see it so and um i had a really interesting conversation last week at new voices with um laura from laura mcnerney from i hope i said the name right uh schools uh from teacher chat and she said that her and sam friedman who are previously a fee advisor and previous uh, teach first guy they she said that their conversations on twitter she would make sure anything she's ever posted was something she was completely willing for her form the next morning to see up on her whiteboard and i i completely agree i even get worried if someone swears in a tweet uh, in reply to me um but you know i think that's completely right whatever is on your twitter feed if it's not good enough for the kids you are teaching to see then it's not good enough at all they are watching they are learning, they're listening. I certainly was at that age, and they certainly still are. Could be actually, you know, if this if if this were around when I was a kid and one of my teachers was doing one of these shows, oh I would have been listening. <laughs> as tragic as it sounds, I would have been listening and I would have been loving it. But maybe that's more of a reflection of my poor behaviour at school at the time. I was not a very good kid in terms of behaviour. Um so Maybe I really was just a wine-up merchant. But the reality is, it was available for me to access. So actually, um, that's a question I'd like to pose. If you are a teacher, are you concerned about what your kids that you're, the kids you're teaching, what they're seeing online of yours? Are you concerned? Do you think it's fair of them to be able to see this? Uh, and like, discuss it with their friends. Do you think it's actually fair? Or do you think it's totally fair game? Um, therefore, that's why you are cautious about what you write. So that's what I'll be really interested in. Are you cautious about what you write online because you know what you're, uh, you know that kids can see it, or actually, um, are you very much like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Kids aren't listening; they're not interested. So you're willing to have conversations that maybe are a bit risky in terms of talking about the school you work in, uh, your practice, uh, the way you deal with children. I don't know. So it'd be really interesting to hear from you. And we're going to just go to a break in a second. I will read out the news one more time. <laughs> okay, so bear with me. Again, I'd just like to apologise. The music section on my Podbean desktop, I click it, nothing comes up i've uploaded all the music i've uploaded the jingle etc etc just doesn't work at all okay so i'm just gonna go back to the news bear with me okay so this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news 
Again, the national lorry driver shortage has been widely reported in recent weeks, as have the trading issues which have occurred post-Brexit. Both are reported as putting pressure on businesses such as petrol stations and supermarkets. But now it appears the situation is spreading further. ISS um, catering firm supplying food to 450 schools says that disruption to what it can offer schools is likely to last until the new year. In a leaked email obtained by ITV, the company advises had teachers on stocking up um, advises teachers on stocking up and ways to find feeding children through the winter. The advice includes stopping up on long-life milk, dried and tinned foods so that food will be available in worst-case scenario. Whilst the company says it remains confident it will be able to keep supplying meals, it suggests schools ensure they are prepared. Children's favourites such as fish fingers, bread, ham and some soft drinks are amongst the products the company is struggling to source. ISS has issued a statement saying its ability to provide schools with nutritious meals has not been impacted and that contingency advice to schools was being issued and that regular contact with schools was being maintained. A Department for Education spokesman has said there's no evidence to suggest widespread supply issues. Supply and chain issues are reported to be causing disruption to delivery of CO2 monitors to, two, uh, to schools in Wales, according to a report on World Online. The clean air technology was promised to schools by the first week in October, but delays may mean that schools do not receive them until after the half-term break. These CO2 monitors are designed to warn that when there's not enough clean air in the room. They're seen by many as a key mitigation me- measure to help reduce the spread of COVID-19 and protect staff and pupils. Head teachers across Wales are reporting that more pupils and staff are absent now than at any other time during the pandemic and that education is facing worse disruption than in the previous academic year. The Welsh, uh, the Welsh government has said it's spending it's spending 2.5 million on the CO2 monitors and this will um, equate to one monitor for every classroom. Finally, The Guardian is reporting on fresh figures released by the Office for National Statistics, which suggests that in England, the spread of COVID-19 is fast outpacing the vaccination programme for secondary age pupils. The IRS now says that last week, one in 14 secondary pupils had COVID, and that this is an increase from the one in 20 of the previous week. And according to data released by the UK Health Security Agency, fewer than one in 10 of the age groups eligible for the vaccine have received it, although more than a third of those vaccinated were in the vulnerable group. The vaccination programme seems to be key in keeping schools opening and limiting in uh, limiting infections. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News, and I'm just now going to cut to some adverts. Again, <laughs> I will be reading them out so you get to hear my lovely tone. All, <laughs> all, 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 uh, show so let me just get those adverts up for you excellent okay so again cutting now to the advertisements so one of the sponsors of this show is oxford university press if you need support with your phonics teaching oxford university press now has free dfv validated programs to help you read write ink phonics Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. To find out more about these programmes and receive support from your OUP expert local educational consultant, visit www.oxfordprimary.com phonics. 
One of our other show sponsors is the History Hotline podcast. But History Hotline is the hottest line for all things Black history and beyond, a space to have honest conversations about Black history and how it impacts the world we live in. The History Hotline podcast explores some of the facets of Black history ignored by the mainstream through teachers and textbooks. Check out the podcast by following the History Hotline on all good podcast programs, platforms, sorry. Finally, for number three, one of our sponsors of the show is Mal CPD. If you struggle with people pleasing and find it a constant battle to manage difficult and different and difficult personalities, then why not challenge and empower your team for the Mal CPD essential coaching skills for schools leader course? Alternatively, gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader for the assertive leadership and emotionally intelligent leader course. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. To find out more, go to www.malcpd.com. Excellent. Okay, so we've had our use, we've had our adverts, um, and I would love to again, I would love to hear from you. So again, um, I know I've banged on about this a few times already, but not having guests uh, is difficult. Um, it's pretty difficult to actually do this show when. Um, you know, as I said, at this time in the morning, because people aren't around. That's fair enough. I get it. Five kids, I wouldn't be around. <laughs> Simple as that. So if you are available to come on this show in the future, please just DM me. Give me a give me a heads up over on Twitter at Lanter Plowden. Okay, so that would be really, really helpful if there's anything you are itching to discuss, particularly in relation to being an early career teacher. As I said, as I have said, many many times before i am an early career teacher and i would be certainly interested to have these discussions with other early career teachers or me maybe even mentors of early career teachers or people that just have a genuine interest in it and how they kind of place them in schools or the general initial teacher training process that'd be super super helpful um so we've got around 20 minutes left 21 minutes um i think the last couple of figures I'd really like to discuss would be kind of looking around. Oof, I think it's kind of looking around how we react to the recent appointments at the DfE. So a couple of weeks ago, we we're fully aware there was cabinet reshuffle uh, and there was shock within the DfE. Well, not necessarily with Gavin Williamson. He has gone and. I wouldn't say there was shock, but there was definitely shock in terms of more junior ministers who were removed, uh, particularly that of Nick Gibb. Now, for everything Nick Gibb stands for, uh, the fact that he is, you know, to many quite a, a figure of quite regressive ideas, but to others very progressive in terms of his traditional views on curriculum and how it can take schools forward. He was dedicated. He is dedicated. He is dedicated to education and he is interested. So it did become a shock. But what is interesting is that legacy he has left is it is being maintained and it's being maintained in appointments such as Mark Lahey. Now I know Mark. Um hello Mark. Um if you're if you're listening or listening at a later date but i know mark and i uh, i've met him a few times uh, in relation to uh parents and teachers for excellence uh and if you don't know pte they are a kind of a think tank 
group, campaign group, whatever you want to call them. They've been around for a few years now, since around, I think, 2016 time. And um, they basically, you know, push ideas surrounding knowledge-led ideals and ethos in schooling, uh, and particularly how new academies are opening up with that. So it's really a group of, as it says, parents and teachers who are uh, concerned with what they consider to be excellence. That's a debate on its own. But what I think has been super interesting is recently, um, again on their Twitter, I'm just obsessed with it, aren't I? But recently, and conversations I've had at work, um, the concern has been, well, it's always been, why have we not got qualified teachers in the DfE actually advising and doing, doing things, okay? That's always a conversation we have. Well, now we actually do have one. And we've probably had them before, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure of the history, I'll admit that. But we do now have one. Mark has been um, a teacher, he's been a head teacher. Uh, he's been uh, part of, you know, setting up free schools along with um, many others. But we now we do have someone advising the DfE who is and has been a teacher. Okay. So what I found interesting is how is that debate now changing? We, we've always asked for a teacher to be involved. Now we've got one. Some are very unhappy because they claim it's... Uh, you know, a response to the kind of Tory ethos of the government, but obviously because the government's Tories. But um, what are we really looking for in teachers that are advising the government? What are we looking for? Are we looking for politics? Are we looking for personality? Uh, are we looking for someone who cares about attendance or curriculum or safeguarding or pastoral issues or uh, teaching workloads, you know, uh, retention what are, what is it we're looking for for me i'm not sure uh again as i said earlier i think for me it would be curriculum attendance and safeguarding and attendance really falls under safeguarding in many respects but i feel that now we do have a teacher in the dfe i think it's super important that regardless of the kind of political association and i know it's hard to remove that of course that matters but our first thought should be regardless is it's super important we've got someone with the experience on the ground in schools to actually talk to the dfe uh to actually you know work with the dfe to see what's happening we'll see how it goes i wish mark all the best um the conversations i've had with him in the past have been you know productive useful positive um but I think it's super, super important at all times to make sure that what we are uh, thinking is we have got a teacher in there now. And how do you think that's going to change it? OK, so if you have any idea of how you want to see it change or how you think it can change, OK, the focus of the DfE or maybe even on teacher workload retention, etc. Please have that discussion with me. Maybe you don't think it's going to change at all. Fair enough. But I think, you know. It's a debate I've been seeing, excuse me, um, teachers in my school staff room have been saying, oh, no one's ever a teacher at the DFP, like all the advisors, they've never had our experiences. Yeah, that's true. But now we have got someone who has. So is this important? Is it not? Please have that debate with me, have that discussion. Um, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to check out Twitter. So, again, contact me on Twitter. be really, really super important uh, if you'd like to do that. Uh, I'm at Lanta Plowden. Give me a DM as well if you want to talk uh, talk about anything on future shows. Uh, be a guest or just call in. So you can also call in 
uh, via the Podbean app. Um, I'm just going to take a pause for a second. <laughs> I've spoken quite a lot. This is quite a difficult thing to keep up for an hour and a half. Um, I was talking to someone about this the other day saying, oh, okay, I found it difficult my very first show because I had no guests, the music wasn't working. Well, I couldn't get the music to work. It does usually work, but I just couldn't. Um, what do I do? I can't. I don't know if I can carry on doing it for an hour and a half. And then they said, but you're a teacher. Of course you can. I was like, oh, yeah. I am one of those teachers. I believe in a lot of teacher talk, aren't I? Okay. So... Let's treat this a bit like a lesson plan. So I've kind of done that in my head, but we're getting towards the end. So any discussion is always, always welcome. And I'd like to thank, you know, thanks to Lesson Copy, who has written in some really good, interesting questions and has actually turned my attention to Edu Insta, which is uh, fascinating. Okay. But yes, um, I think... I think conversations around the DFE and what it does are super important. Um, it'd be really good actually to have an ex-civil servant on the show. Did you used to work for them? Not to give out any particular opinions, but to actually discuss like uh, what it's like to be kind of working in an environment where, you know, you've got this huge workforce of teachers and then you've got the civil servants who are actually, you know, pushing the paper around, making decisions, helping make decisions. You know, how do they engage with teachers? I think it's always an important point. And it's, it's really positive to see that there are teachers engaging with it. But, you know, it is important and it's interesting. Um, and also off the back of the of exclusions that have been spoken about this week, I know there was a documentary I didn't get to watch. I think it's called Don't Exclude Me or something along those lines. Um, but how, how does the government engage with those kind of things? Uh, school, school, exclusions in schools. Um, again, um, differs from context, I think my opinion i've seen schools exclude for very minor things in one school and in other schools for very not until it's pretty major and then it's been a short-term exclusion um i'll leave my opinions on that for now i'll do a show about exclusions in next week i think i think that'd be quite fun but um yeah i think these are conversations that need to be had especially in relation to the dfe they're not had too often otherwise um in regards to you know the impact of the dfe but i think now again we've got a qualified teacher in there as an advisor how's that going to change all of these things i've spoken about or will it not change at all mark if you're listening please feel free to come on you talk for yourself uh see see what you you want to say uh what you want to do okay uh right so i'm just going to cut to news and adverts for one more time before i say goodbye um let me just get the news. Okay, so. Okay. So, again, this is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is the Teachers Talk Radio News. So, the national lorry driver shortage has been widely reported in recent weeks and has had the training issues which have occurred post-Brexit. Both reporters put in pressure on businesses such as petrol stations and supermarkets. But now it appears the situation is spreading. ISS, um, a catering firms supplying food to 450 schools, said disruption to what it can offer schools is likely to last until the new year. And in a leaked email obtained by ITV, the company advisors had teachers stocking up. Uh, the, the company advises um, teachers stocking up and finding ways to keep feeding children through the winter. And this advice includes topping up on long life milk, dried and tinned foods, so that food will be available in a worst case scenario. 
And whilst the company says it remains confident it will be able to keep supply meals, it suggests schools ensure they are prepared and that children's favourites such as fish fingers, bread, ham and sodden soft drinks are amongst the products the company is struggling to source. RSS has issued a statement saying its ability to provide schools with nutritious meals has been impacted and that contingency advice to schools was being issued and that regular contact with schools has been maintained. The Department for Education spokesman said there was no evidence to suggest widespread supply issues. Supply chain issues are reported to be causing disruption to the delivery of CO2 monitors to to schools in Wales, according to a report on Wales Online. The clean air technology was promised to schools by the first week in October, but delays may mean that schools do not receive them until after the half-term break. The CO2 monitors are designed to uh, warm when there's not enough clean air in the room. They're seen by many as key mitigation measure to help reduce the spread of COVID-19 and protect staff and pupils. Head teachers across Wales are reporting that more pupils and staff are absent now than at any other time during the pandemic, and that education Education is facing worse disruption in the previous academic year than in the previous academic year. The Welsh government has said that it's spending 2.5 billion on the CO2 monitors, and that this will uh, equate to one monitor for every classroom. Finally, the Guardian is reporting in fresh figures released by the Office for National Statistics, which suggests that in England, the spread of COVID-19 is fast outpacing the vaccination programme for secondary age pupils. The IRS now says that last week, one in 14 secretary pupils had COVID. This is an increase from the one in 20 of the previous week. And according to data released by the Health Security Agency, fewer than one in 10 of the age groups eligible for the vaccine have received it, although more than, more than a third of those vaccinated were in the vulnerable group. But vaccination programmes seem to be key in keeping schools open and limiting infections. This has been the Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News, as read by myself, Atlanta Plowden, because I can't get it to play, and I'm so sorry about that. Okay, so I'm just going to cut to uh, one more round of adverts, and then I'll start wrapping it up. Okay, so first advert. So one of the sponsors of this show is Oxford University Press. If you need support with your phonics teaching, Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you. Read, write, ink, phonics, floppies phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential letters and sounds to get all your children reading well quickly using phonics books you may have already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. And to find out more about these programs and receive support from your OUP expert local educational consultant, visit www.oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Another one of our show sponsors is the History Hotline podcast. The History Hotline is the hottest live all things black history and beyond. A space to have honest honest conversations about black history and how it impacts the world we live in. The History Hotline podcast explores some of the facets of black history ignored by the mainstream, your teachers and the textbooks. Check out the podcast by following the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. One of the sponsors of this show is Mouse CPD. If you struggle with people pleasing and find it is a constant battle to manage different and difficult personalities, then why not challenge and empower your team for the Mouse CPD essential coaching skills for school leaders course? Alternatively, gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and emotionally intelligent leadership course. All Mouse CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.mousecpd.com. Okay, 
Excellent. So I'm going to start beginning to wrap it up here. So I want to thank you for listening. There's been a couple of people who stayed with me for the majority of the way through. Thank you. Uh, thank you again if you all, if you've listened back after the show was aired. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast as a recording, uh, thank you so much. Um, again, if you want to get in contact, please at Lanta Plowden, or you can get in contact through the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter. But it's super, super important important to remember that. Um, having these discussions are important yeah it's early on a saturday morning but i am willing to you know do this and talk to people i think what new voices or attending uh, new voices conference last week taught me was we do need more voices and we need them fast because we're at a very pivotal point in education, a point where actually it's it's changing so quickly after the pandemic that we need to have these discussions. And I am absolutely willing to be open to ideas about what we use this time for on a Saturday morning and how we actually get across key things that we all agree we need to talk about, be it the way OG Twitter is, which I know I bang on about, so I'll try and stop, or exclusions, like the fact, you know, uh, exclusions has been a hot topic a hot debate this week uh, about the fact that the DfE is appointing now ex-teachers. Uh, all of these things are super important and they are not necessarily conversations many people are getting to have in their staff rooms for whatever reason. Um, or maybe are even confident to talk about their colleagues with. So please get in touch. I am more than willing to have you on the show to discuss these things. If you want to be a guest, absolutely sign in, join in. Uh, I would really love that. So I'd like to thank you again for listening. If you stayed with me the whole time, thank you. You're a superstar. If you're listening afterwards and you've stayed the whole podcast, thank you. You're also a superstar. Um, Get in touch. uh, And I hope to hear from you soon. Okay, so let me try and play the Atwood jingle. Let me try. don't think it's gonna work i'm afraid i'm so sorry i will try maybe audio effects will work no i don't think anything works um there's a countdown there's a creepy laugh i don't think we need that there's a fanfare there's a oh there you go (laughs) laughing at my inability to, to work the music and the sound on this other than the audio effects so that's excellent but anyway thank you for listening um hopefully we'll have something good for next weekend have a lovely weekend and have a really good week at school next week see you later